Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Brodo Fantasy Football Podcast. It is part two of the week 14 preview. As a reminder, part duh. As part a, oh, duh. no, I just did it. Oh, I, man. Whoa. Uh, oh, shit. shit. Oh, shit. This is what happens now when we I got to get him to sing Sunday Night Football. No. Golden. No. Oh, man. No. No. Um, what we are going to do, though, is we're going to have a live stream uh, this week, next week, and the week after all of your fantasy playoff hopefulness and dreams come bring them to us on twitter at brodo fantasy we are going to be going live around 11 30 11 45 ish and ending around 12 30 12 45 ish we don't want to i mean depending on the amount of news we don't want to give ourselves just like a one hour time period uh so but come check us out at that time uh at brodo fantasy on twitter check uh, put on your notification so it says brodo fantasy has gone live and you will get those notifications and people will and you will be able to ask us your questions and not only get your the answers like we usually do on Sundays, but also get the explanations why. So again, we are live streaming uh, this Sunday, next Sunday, and the Sunday after on Twitter at Brodo Fantasy. Without any further ado, let's get into the second half of these games. The Brodo Fantasy Football Podcast begins now. Welcome back to the Brodo Fantasy Football Podcast presented by BrotoFantasy.com. I'm your host, Tim Petrop, with my brothers, the only two twins that give you double that fantasy goodness, Michael and Jason Petrop. So we did our first seven games of the slate, um, and not counting the Thursday game, which if you did not check out that episode, please go back and check out that episode. We dropped that on Wednesday. These are coming out, obviously, on Thursday, so go check that out if you have a chance. But let's get right into the second one, um, the second part that is the Colts and Raiders is the game that we are going to begin with. And I have a gut check question right off the bat for you guys. Gut check question of the day. Great matchup. QB's been hot. He's been hot. He's coming off a huge game. No Jonathan Abrams. Do you go back in the fire with T.Y. Hilton in the first round of your fantasy playoffs this week? Tim, you're starting off hot, huh? Hot. That's the only way I know uh, how. I like it. I like it. To Jiminy, a cricket Hilton. We discussed him on the review pod, and the more research I've done and such, I still feel the same way. Like... <laughs> It's been a very impressive back-to-back games from T.Y. Hilton after a very, very bad start overall to the season. Uh, top 15 option each of the last two weeks. Saw 11 targets last week and went in. Gets another glorious matchup against Las Vegas, like you said, and then Houston and Pitt to close it out. Do I want to trust T.Y. Hilton this week? No. Do I understand if you do based on injuries and such? Sure. Like, it maybe if you had D.J. Moore, who's looking like he's not going to be able to suit up because of COVID list and or injury, and you got to replace him with T.Y. Hilton, fine. I also think he's a good flex play because he at least does have a decent floor, in my opinion. Like, he'll get you six to eight points, even if he does end up not having a game like he's had over these past two weeks. But he's on the field a bunch at this point. Him and Michael Pittman are, like, the clear main two guys in that offense at the moment when it comes to the pass catchers. The tight ends are mixing in there as well. So I do think T.Y. Hilton at least has some flex appeal here. It's it's not without risk, though, because it's 
a little bit of recency bias here over the last two weeks, but we've also seen Hilton do this in the past before, so it's not like it's brand new. Yeah, for sure it's not. Uh, Jason, I, I got to get your thoughts on T.Y. Hilton as well. Here's my thoughts on T.Y. Hilton. <clears throat> he was third in wide receiver snaps last week, but he was targeted 10 times. How do we take that? Do we take it he's going to play more and get more targets, or do we take it as he doesn't play that much and he just got targeted a lot last week? That's the question. And everything around T.Y. Hilton is a question at the moment. And I am on the side of not playing T.Y. Hilton unless you need to. I have him wide receiver 36. I have him as a back-end wide receiver one. I actually have, him in, the, I actually have him in the same exact spot. Yeah. I don't love it, but look, the Raiders just allowed Sam Donald to put up 23.5 fantasy points. It's a bad defense. So, I mean, does that mean you think... Does that mean you think Philip Rivers is a streaming option as well? He's been a strong streaming option for weeks now. Honestly, it's not it's no longer is Philip Rivers a strong streaming option. Well, it's no longer is Philip Rivers like in the beginning, the first half of the season was we don't even have to discuss Philip Rivers. Now it's he always has to be in the conversation because over the last seven weeks, he's been a top ten quarterback four times. Top 16, six of seven times. He's basically settled in right into that QB 9 to 15 territory, which is certainly an interesting option here against Las Vegas because, like Jason said, they just got torched by Sam Darnold and company, who has not torched anyone this year. And Philip Rivers just continues to ball the second half of the season, even with the... Uh, he actually has a ruptured... A ruptured... Um, what is it? What is it, man? Ruptured plantar something, plate or something. Basically, ruptured uvula. this dude is OD hurt, but he's Philip Rivers and he doesn't care. Like he played a whole playoff game with a torn ACL. Like that's just what Philip Rivers does. And he's he's going to get surgery on it after the season. He's just going to keep playing through it. And it hasn't affected him. Like he continues to be very effective over the second half of the season. So, yeah, I think Philip Rivers is a strong streaming option and someone I definitely uh, add if I'm in like a if I need quarterback help this week. He has a toe injury. Uh, good good reason for him to uh, not, you know, he's not running anywhere anyway. So a toe is not exactly the most yeah, important exactly. thing for Phillip Rivers. Let's talk about players that toes are very important for, and those are running backs. Um, Jonathan Taylor, again, has another fantasy viable week. Because um, I'm the Taylor. Naheem Hines continues to produce. So the question is, who do you touch? I mean, who do you trust uh, and do you touch either of these guys, or are you excited? For me, I'm excited to play either of these dudes. I think they both have fantasy viable games. Yo, if if there was any sign that 2020 was the year of availability is greater than ability, it's Jonathan Taylor and Naheem Hines. They are the PPR running back 15 and 16 on the season. Like, they're both mid-range RB2s, solid plays on the season, which is, I mean, kind of crazy to think that both these guys are doing this. In a very um, seesaw fashion. But in that seesaw has come a nice increase for Jonathan Taylor. And I don't think you can ignore what he's been doing. Because the last two weeks he saw 26 touches and 16 touches. If you're going to see 15 to 25 touches against the Raiders, you deserve to be started in fantasy. Um. Yeah, I agree. So you guys, so you guys both, you would start them both, no problem. What if you had them on the same team? Would you start them both? No, I would start... Um, Jonathan Taylor, no problem. I am more weary of Naheem Hines. I don't think he's a must-start 
by any means. What about you, Mike? Um, I agree with Jason. I think Jonathan Taylor is a pretty strong start this week uh, because he has been getting the carries. But I, I don't know. I'm also in on Naeem Hines. I think he's a low-end RB2 option. I have, here. Him, as I, have a, him. I have him as a decent like flex play. Just like, yeah, I, I guess I understated it a little bit. I'm cool with Naeem Hines this week. I have him as my RB21 this week because, as Jason stated over the last couple of podcasts as well, the dude has done a lot with limited touches, touches all season long. And he's been getting more touches of late. And he has been a, over the last six weeks, a very strong overall player. Like he had that one week uh, where against Baltimore, but Baltimore is a very tough matchup overall. Outside of the week against Baltimore, he's put up 20, 26, 7, 14, and 11 half PPR points. Like in our home league, for example, this will probably help some who are dealing with this issue. I'm just starting Hines over Miles Sanders, and I'm not even thinking about it. Like, there is 0% part of me that wants to start Sanders over Hines. Hines has been very solid for weeks now, and this is a tremendous matchup against Las Vegas, who, yes, they give up a ton of work on the ground. They also give up, they've also given up just under 500 passing yards through the air to opposing running backs. And Hines, he got the five-yard rushing touchdown last week. He was the one who was in to, to steal that. So, yeah, I'm fine with Naheem Hines this week as well as a low-end RB2 and flex option. Uh, anyone else? Uh, actually, stop. Let me stop. Let me stop. We didn't talk about the tight ends. And the tight ends, uh, we got to talk about it. We got to talk about these tight ends, man. Uh, I think it's clear that the only viable playing, the only guy that's viable to be played is Trey Burton. Um, the question is, are the other guys going to vulture what makes him playable? Uh, so he, when he gets the opportunity, he's a good player. So Trey Burton is one of those guys who, if you have him on your roster, you need to... Uh, you need to make that decision because it's it could be a big game. It could be a bad game. You just never know, and it's a good matchup. Tight ends, baby. Tight ends. Good old tight ends. Good old, t- <laughs> good old tight end, or, or, or the opposite. Um, yeah. Let's go over to the other side. Speaking of tight ends, Darren Waller had a decent game last week, huh? Just slightly. Slightly decent. 200 yards receiving uh, for Darren Waller, and it's very it's very interesting uh, to note that I was going to put him as my number one tight end last week. And I said, how could I put anyone over Travis Kelsey mistake? Um, but with that being said, he should be that number two tight end option. Again, this, I think Mark Andrews takes a little bit of a above him this week, but should be tight end three again. And you're not thinking about it. Even in a, yeah, of course, even even against the Colts, you're not thinking about it. Yeah, it, it's Darren Waller. You, even though he's had his ups and downs, he's obviously an automatic start. So let's talk about things you, you we're gonna have to think about. Start don't the start back. them. Start the running back situation. Don't start anyone not named Waller. I mean, it, that's easy to say, but we have people in situations where they might have to. For example, do Devontae Booker. What What are your thoughts about Devontae Booker this week? Devontae Booker, at the end of the day, saw 16 rushes against the Jets in a close game. So he's going to get work. It's not going to be pretty work. It's The Colts are a tough defense. That's why I hate him more than I probably would if it was an easier matchup. Devontae Booker is a last-ditch flex play, and I don't want to touch any of the receivers either. You're pissing I'm, me off, Jay. I, I understand that... Um, 
that sentiment there, especially with, I mean, we were, we we're growing on the Nelson Aguilar train a little bit and he's obviously let us down, but I mean, the, uh, what's it called? The targets continue to be there for Aguilar. And let's not forget that last week he had a touchdown to end the game and Derek Carr just missed him. Like if his stat line, instead of saying four for 38 said five for 88 and a touchdown and people didn't people just automatically would be ranking him way higher than he already is. So I understand Aguilar as a flex option because his targets have been improving. It's weird because he had low targets, great efficiency. Now that the targets are improving, the efficiency has dwindled down. I still think he's at least a semi-decent flex play. I have him as my wide receiver 48 on the week, so it's not like I just it's not like I'm a huge Aguilar fan this week, but I do see the upside and he, if he finds the end zone, he'll definitely be useful. And he, at this point, he's the clear number one wide receiver for the Raiders. I don't want to trust Ruggs or anyone else. No, no, you can't. Uh, the Raiders, the Raiders are coming off a really uplifting game last week. The reason they were able to have an uplifting game last week is because the team that they played had one of the worst losses in the history of that franchise, and. In order to talk about that franchise, we're going to do it right now. Transition master. The Jets at the Seahawks is next. Um, Personally, for me, this is what I think is going to happen. And you guys might disagree. I think Jamal Adams is going to play an absolute key role in the smacketh down of the New York Jets. I think that when a team with no wins, it's going to happen. Uh, if, a te- <laughs> if a team with no wins, none, zero, just had the worst loss maybe ever in the history of their franchise, has to best. go across the country on the road, and the guy who would pump them up to play against J- Jamal Adams has just been fired. I'm not the biggest fan of Crowder this week, although a lot of people like Crowder this week. I think that Jamal Adams is going to shut down Crowder this week. I'm not the biggest. I think Jam- uh, Perriman maybe because if he hits a big play, but that's not guaranteed. I think we see the absolute dismantling of the Jets by the Seahawks. I think I think it's going to be the Jets players have bad games. The Seahawks players have good games, if I'm just boiling it down. Let's start on the Jets because there's not many to talk about. Denzel Mims also going to miss the game because of personal issues. So... How do you feel about the Jets? Uh, let's start with Jason. That, yeah, that helps out the receivers a little bit. Um, I don't think that's something that should be taken lightly. Denzel Mims has been a good player, honestly, and he's been seeing a decent amount of targets. And if those targets have to go somewhere, it's probably Perriman and Crowder. And Perriman has had a seesaw of targets. Um, the last few games, his targets have been 8-2-7-4-8-4. If the trend continues, he's up to the 7 or 8 number this week. And... With Mims out, that does seem likely. And eight targets against the Seattle secondary isn't the worst thing on earth. Perriman burned us last week, but I don't hate him as a flex if you're desperate. This is similar to the situation for me with Jalen Rager when everyone loved Jalen Rager against Seattle, and I was like, chill out. He's still Jalen Rager and hasn't really done anything in his career, and it's the Seahawks. I mean, excuse me, it's the Eagles' offense, and Rager had a terrible game. I'm getting those type of vibes from Perriman and Jamison Crowder. Facts. There, it's in a good spot, but do you want to trust in a playoff game a Jets wide receiver? Like, I prefer Jamison Crowder because he gets the red zone targets, as strange as that seems, and he got seven targets again last week. 
So it does seem like he's back on Sam Darnold's good side. But Brashad Perriman is the one with more upside, in my opinion, because he could break a long one at any time. I don't agree with you that uh, Jamal Adams is going to like shut down Crowder or anything. The dude sucks in coverage. Sure, he'll likely have two sacks because that's what he does. Oh, look, I'm a safety. I run after the quarterback with nobody blocking me yeah, because it's a fucking trick play and it's Unabated a safety sacks. I'm the best. Yeah, look how good I am. I got to the quarterback untouched and I made the tackle. Haters. Don't get me started with fucking Jamal Adams, but with that being said, yeah, uh, of the receivers, I think they're both flex options with some upside, but don't forget the considerable downside that comes with trusting a Jets wide receiver as well. Um, What about Ty Johnson in the backfield? He had a big game in the absence of Frank Gore. Uh, Finally, Frank Gore is a fantasy, like consensus, startable player. We thought he was startable. He goes down with a concussion second play of the game. Ty Johnson comes in and promptly rushes for a touchdown and 100 yards. Josh Adams also rushes for 70 yards. So the question is, um, you know, J- Jets running backs are going to get work. If for uh, let's let's talk about let's do the comparison. Who would you rather play, Ty Johnson or um, or Devin uh, Devin not Devin Booker uh, Devontae, Devontae Booker. Booker Devontae Booker Ty Johnson Ty Johnson. Who would you rather play, uh, Ty Johnson or James White? Ty Johnson. Ty Johnson. Uh, or or Damian Harris? Damian Harris. Slight edge of Ty Johnson for me. Uh, Ty Johnson or David Johnson? Ty. Ty. Whoa. Ty. I was going to say, I thought it was going to be clearly David, so I was going to say Bro. Duke next. Well, David first I want to... Remember? Say again? Is Yuckertons. David is Yuckeroo. Uh, how could I forget? Hmm. He's a Yuckeroo. I do want to say though, Frank Gore practiced limited Wednesday and then didn't practice today. He t- he typically gets Thursdays off because he's old as shit. So maybe it doesn't have to be concussion related. If he returns, I have no interest in that backfield. But if not, man, who do we got? Ty Johnson and Josh Adams. Like Josh Adams doesn't have a real job anyways. Shout out to Hamilton. <laughs> so I am firing up. Ty Johnson, <laughs> if I can, because we're talking about a guy who's going to get 20-plus touches, and it's ugly. It's the Jets. But at this point, this is back-to-back-to-back to back to back games with a heart, healthy Sam Darnold sh- and, sh- a, your mouth. and a top-20 running back performance from the New York Jets. It's three straight weeks of that happening. And Seattle's uh, front seven, they are not an easy matchup by any means, but they certainly are not not exploitable. So I do think Ty Johnson becomes a very decent streaming option or a strong flex play as long as Frank Gore is out. I think we need to check Michael when the words, I want to start Ty Johnson if I can, comes out of his mouth. <laughs> Dude, all right. All right. Not I don't want to start him if I can. I want to start him if I have questionable choices. <laughs> is that better? I suppose. For those of you who uh, were wondering, by the way, if I won my bid on Ty Johnson, I did not. Um, the, one of the people on buy bid $1 for Ty Johnson and he outbid my $0 bid because I have no fab, um, fun, fun guy. Fun. It was Elias. Ah, uh. yeah. Son of a bitch. That the guy, that guy Elias is having a really good fantasy year. Um, I you got James Robinson this season. You went up with the buy facts. Okay. Jason, what do you want to say about the Seahawks now? That's it? That's your transition to the Seahawks? You wanted me to go to the Seahawks. I wanted to talk about Ty Johnson more. You told me no more Ty Johnson, so We fuck spent you. enough time on Ty Dolla Sign. Look, he, he had a good game last week, but 
he's Ty Johnson. Let's be real. I want to talk about the Seahawks because Russell Wilson has been kind of to do. So even if I grant that Russell Wilson's been kind of to do and not fully to do, because he's <laughs> never fully to do, in the la- since his bye week, and the Seahawks bye week was week six, so we're talking week seven through 13, not a small sample size. Russell Wilson's true throw value is 0.468. Oh, gross. That number would put him 21st in between Ben Roethlisberger and Kyler Murray. Russell Wilson has been throwing like Kyler Murray the last few weeks. Just something to note. I know it's a dreamy matchup against the Jets. And dreaminess equals yumminess. I don't even know. But, like, I wouldn't be surprised if this is... If the Seahawks even go up early and Russ is very um, conservative the rest of the game, I have him as my quarterback eight, not as the quarterback one, which is where the rest of the experts have him. See, I I under I get that sentiment, I do, but I still have him as my QB three because this is the bounce back game of all bounce back facts, games, and facts. we've seen multiple quarterbacks. It doesn't matter what they were doing previously, just go absolutely off against the Jets. We saw Derek Carr just end as an overall QB1 against the Jets. So I'm all aboard the Russell Wilson bandwagon. It's been a rough, rough go of things over these last several weeks, and you don't expect that out of Russell Wilson by any means, but I don't think he messes up this opportunity here against the Jets. I think this is a huge day for... I mean, I have Russell Wilson as my third overall receiver, and I have uh, Metcalf and Lockett both, again, as top 10 options. Lockett, I'm higher than consensus, but nobody on the Jets is going to be able to guard anyone on that team. So Tyler Lockett could, with Brian Poole on IR, Tyler Lockett could certainly have one of his big games, even though he's been inconsistent. I don't see how you could not start these weapons. I agree with Michael. I'm starting every single one of them. I'm, I'm excited about it. I know we like to be against consensus, but it's hard not to have Russell Wilson as the number one quarterback this week. Um, I think DK Metcalf goes off. I think Tyler Lockett goes off. I think that Chris Carson starts off slow, but eventually, because the Seahawks are blowing out the Jets, he gets work. Excuse me. Sorry. Um, but, yeah, I, I think it's a, a very simple equation this week. Start your Seahawks and be excited about it. Uh, anything else that you guys want to talk about in this game? Well, I mean, Chris Carson, we did not discuss. You're right. You're right. Um, I did, but, yeah. but only my opinion matters, though, Michael. So what's up? Am I bugging or did I see a report that Pete Carroll said Chris Carson is banged up or not 100%? Um, I, will, I could have sworn I I've that. seen that somewhere, but I could not find it anywhere else after I looked uh, I will when I tried to find it again. I will vet that yeah, I don't, I don't know about that. Either way. His, his snap share went up from 37 to 58 last week. Yeah, and he saw six targets. Even when he was a limited part of the offense a couple weeks ago, he was a top 20 option. Michael, I found There's it. a 0%. You found it? Uh, Seattle Seahawks, Pete Carroll says Chris Carson still not 100%, still dealing with the effects of the foot, foot in injury by Brady Henderson of ESPN. I, I, I hear that why that might be might sound bad, but I'm not scared away. Yeah, I don't yeah. care. He's, it, he's just been great either way, so I agree. Um, I'd start I'd start Chris Carson here as a low-end RB1, high-end wide receiver too. I, Tim, the Thursday night game is starting soon. You... uh. Your tight end, Ryan Izzo, in your Thursday night football bowl against Jason has been placed on IR. Oh, okay. So I have to I have to switch it. Devin Asiasi has been activated. I, I'm taking Asiasi. Oh, so scary. I mean, that's better than Izzo. 
Así, así. <laughs> um, anyone else you guys want to talk about in this game? No, I think we're uh, I think we're set here. Let's start the, start, start the Seahawks defense. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Well, number one defense for me uh, overall. Uh, Packers at Lions is the next game. Um, so I want to, I want to start on the Lions side because I was really um, I really felt good about what I saw with the Lions. Uh, this offense was promised to be more up tempo, and that's exactly what we got. They threw two thirds of the time last week, and I and I want to give you an idea of what that means. Throwing two thirds of the time, if they averaged that, they would be the first overall team this season in terms of pass happiness. Um, Hot damn! So that is what we're talking about in terms of the first game with Daryl Bevel, and we saw the, the Lions have success last season in with this formula and. We see the we saw them have success in a game where no one had them winning that game. They were the Bamble, underdog Bamble. of that of that game. So the fact that the Lions came out and they were up tempo like that and they passed the ball so much makes me really, really, really happy for this offense. The only problem is now they run into the Packers. The Packers are one of the better pass defenses in the league and one of the worst run defenses in the league. So where does that leave the Lions in terms of what you're expecting of them. Let's start with the pass catchers. Let's start with the quarterback. Matt Stafford, good game. Um, Marvin Jones, great game. Another great game. He's been really good since Kenny Galladay went down. So the question is, Kenny Galladay, as as he does every week, might return, might not return. We don't no. really know. There's been no announcement on him. So let's look at it. I'd assume ways. not. Why do you assume not? He's not practicing. That's a good. That's a good way to assume. That's a good reason to assume not. Um, there you go. So Marvin Jones will be the number one guy, but he will see Jair Alexander probably. How do you feel about Marvin Jones, Matt Stafford, uh, et cetera? Yeah, that makes Marvin a low-end wide receiver three. Jair Alexander has shut down some great receivers this season. And Marvin Jones has struggled, like even as the alpha wide receiver this season. He's definitely come on more as of late. But I don't think just because Darren Bevel is the offensive coordinator, like things are changing that much. He was outside of the top 36 the two weeks prior to last week. He's always going to be a boom-bust guy. So I'm just, I don't love starting Marvin Jones this week. Um, Yeah, especially if he's going to be, he's likely to be lined up with Jair Alexander for most of the game, I would assume, since he is obviously the main outside option of that on that team. Uh, I mean, Marvin Hall was waived. He's not even on that team anymore. So it's not like there's a lot of people vying for targets here. Marvin Jones has 12 targets in back-to-back games. Um, so he's seeing a bunch of targets, but for me, it's about the matchup. I understand if you chase that. I do think he uh, he's more of a wide receiver three than like a wide receiver two or anything of that sort, though, um, because he, he has been mostly disappointing with his um, opportunities this year, but he should have a ton this weekend. Um. Let's go over to the running backs. Actually, let's not. Let's start. Let's keep going past catchers. Tight end. Uh, TJ Hawkinson has been solid. Uh, you're going to continue to start him. I don't, th- I don't see why not. Yep. He's one of those tight ends where he's had a couple down weeks, sure, but the vast majority of it has been good. And it's been such, it's just been so strange, TJ Hawkinson, because he has not had like a single boom game this year. Like he has not surpassed 14 half PPR fantasy points. So he's not going to be a top four, five option 
but he will be tight end like six through eight more than likely. It's very strange, but yeah, you have to fire him up. Wow, he's going to be th- worth three quarterbacks? I want that guy. I said QB again? Jeez, Louise, what's going on in my brain? Oh, no, you said you said tight end. That was my fault. He's going to be tight All end right. six Jeez, through... Louise. But if he's, he's, if he's going to finish tight end six, seven, and eight, I'm trying to get that. Um, Combined, that's about 11 points. <laughs> <laughs> um, DeAndre Swift, do you guys have a today's practice update on DeAndre Swift? Limited, limited fashion. So he might play, uh, questionable at the moment. Um, if he doesn't play, Adrian Peterson has been getting the goal line carries. You got to love DeAndre Swift as he plays, and you got to at least consider Adrian Peterson to be a flex viable option if he doesn't. And I think the days of on Johnson being a starting fantasy asset, unless something happens and then gets traded or something, is over. I love me some Adrian Peterson this week. If DeAndre Swift is out, like this guy has four touchdowns last two weeks, 15 rushes and 16 rushes in back-to-back games. I know he's touchdown dependent, but this is a game against Green Bay. If you're going to score on the ground against anyone, it's Green Bay. Adrian Peterson is the running back 36 right now in consensus rankings. I have him at 19. I think he's going to get... 15 plus touches and he's probably going to find the end zone. It's Green Bay. See, I'm not good. I get it, but Green Bay has also given up a lot of their fantasy points through the air, which AP really isn't that big of a beneficiary. They're the only team to allow five receiving touchdowns to opposing running backs. Excuse me. Them and the Titans. And then the Lions have given up seven. No other team is more than four. I mean, they're still get, they've still given up roughly 100 yards per game on the ground. But if DeAndre Swift plays, I don't really have much of an interest outside of a low-end flex for AP. If DeAndre Swift is out, I do agree that AP gets lifted up to high-end flex, low-end RB2 territory. But I'm not I'm not just going to like I do put him in my know, lineup man. super happily about it. I know he doesn't really catch passes, but he had his highest snap rate last week since like September. October and November, last week he had the highest snap rate for since all those months. So he was on the field a lot. Who are you talking about? AP. Oh, yeah, for sure. If I mean, DeAndre Swift does play, though, like, oh, I, I'm not saying AP. No, if you don't talk to him if he plays. Okay, okay. Yeah, but yeah. I do think DeAndre Swift, if he plays, I'm going to put him right back into the mid to low end RB2 territory because I assume he wouldn't get his full yeah. workload, but I do think he'll get mixed in a bunch. And like I said, Green Bay gets beat a lot by pass catchers through the air um, out of the backfield. So I do think Swift would have an immediate role there as well. Yeah, the starting Lions running back is an attractive position this week because the Packers are so bad against the run. Uh, let's go over to the Packers, though, because, oh, man, oh, baby, has Devontae Adams. He missed some games, so he hasn't been the best fantasy player, but he's been shady the best fantasy player in the league this year. Like he, If you watch him play, he's completely unstoppable, and there's no reason to think that the Lions are going to stop him. I think he has a big game. I think that Aaron Rodgers has a big game. Um I don't think you have to talk about that, but there are also opportunities for other people. Alan Lazard uh, is is back in the groove of things. Um, MVS can hit a home run at any time. How do you feel about these pa- – and, and, of course, Robert Tunyon at tight end. How do you feel about these Packers passing options? There's no reason to not start Robert Tunyon at this point. I'm just going to start with the tight end position because it's such a crapshoot. Robert Tunyon is coming off of three straight – very valuable games um, where he's found an end zone in the end zone in all three. And Alan Lazard is someone we're going to discuss. I'm not exactly sure how Jason feels about Alan Lazard, but 
Look, Tanyan has had five targets each of the last three games, five receptions, five receptions, four receptions, touchdown in each, top eight tight end in each. We like Alan Lazard. We were advocates of adding him, but I know his role has been slightly increasing, but he's still muddled into that mix with like MVS and Robert Tanyan for targets. He's basically a mix of three guys vying for a second receiver spot. He's still behind MVS in snap counts, despite the fact that he has been out targeting MVS. So I do think Lazard is a like a semi decent flex play because there is upside, of course, and he could find the end zone at any time because it is um, Aaron Rodgers we're talking about. But I, I'm not as high as on Lazard as I uh, thought I would be going into this one in a great matchup against Detroit. Michael, I gotta say you're you're. Prem, your predictions this week are mu- music to my ears. You don't like Jameson Crowder that much. You don't like Alan Lazard that much. You don't like Melvin Gordon that much. I'm playing all three of them in my uh, fantasy playoffs in the home league. So I, I'm hoping that you uh, continue your. That's pretty speed. funny because I did like specifically bring up those three guys. Yeah. So I'm very, <laughs> I'm very happy that you don't like them. I'm very very happy. I like Lazard this week, man. I See, li- like I like I just- him too. I like him too. Detroit's allowed the second most fantasy points to wide receivers over the last two weeks. But like why won't it be MVS? Torch. Why won't it be Tunyon? Jeff Okuda's out too. Because MVS literally drops a pass every single game. <laughs> it's crazy. It's and why Alan can't Lazard, it be? Ad- why can't it be Adams catching eighteen passes? Like Devonte Adams is probably going to have sixteen catches, two hundred twenty yards, and three touchdowns. <laughs> but Alan Lazard can still go four eighty and one. <laughs> it's not out of the equation. Aaron Rodgers is first in true throw value after all. Aaron Jones had one of the sickest runs I've ever seen last week. It was Yeah, that's crazy. another reason why I'm out of the damn I lost the buy in our home league. I lost by two and a half points because that Aaron that damn Aaron Jones run. It wasn't damn. That was shit was beautiful. That was shit was damn. Yeah. That damn good Aaron Jones run. Yeah, that was that was beautiful. I mean Aaron Jones is a smash play. And he finally hopefully it keeps up this way, but he finally really took control of that backfield over recent weeks where we've seen him and Williams basically half and half. This was definitely back to Aaron Jones's backfield. Um, but with that being said, you start Aaron Jones automatically each week. I do think Jamal Williams has some very sneaky flex appeal here. I discussed his flex appeal value um, last week on Twitter. And then of course he had like his first down game since, since the, for several weeks now, but I do think Jamal Williams has some sneaky, appeal here against Detroit, man. If they take a big lead and then Jamal Williams does end up playing 40%-ish of the snaps, it could be a intriguing play. Jamal Just Will- a reminder that Aaron Jones had 230 yards and three touchdowns in week two against the Lions. That he did. So, I mean, I don't disagree that Aaron Jones is an automatic smash start. Jamal Adams or Devontae Booker, Michael, if Josh Jacobs doesn't play? I feel like I'm. It's crazy, but I feel like Jamal Williams has more upside than Devontae Booker. That is crazy. That's absurd. <laughs> uh, <laughs> let's let's go on to the next game. Um, the Falcons at the Chargers is the next game on the Decat. Um, let's talk about Justin Herbert because a lot of teams right now are in the playoffs because of what Justin Herbert has done for them, and then a lot of teams got eliminated from the playoffs because Justin Herbert has now had two disappointing games in a row, including an absolute dud last week. And the Falcons are one of the easier... Now, they've been better, but they are still one of the easier teams to pass on. So the question, I think, is less 
about physical ability and it's more about mental capacity. Justin Herbert is a young kid and he just got his ass handed to him in no way that he has ever had before. He was cruising. He's like, oh, this NFL thing is easy. And then he got his ass handed to him. Raheem Morris is a defensive minded coach that likes to cook up some exotic things. So the question is, does that affect Justin Herbert's mental or is the matchup just too good and you're not worried about that at all? I think you're getting a little too crazy here, kiddo. I hear you. I see where you're coming from. But it's motherfucking Justin Herbert against the motherfucking <laughs> Falcons. Here. Yo, uh, in true throw value this season, Justin Herbert, who's 15th, which is actually very good for rookies. Rookies typically don't perform that well. Typically, typically two, outside the top 30. Yeah, his last two games have been the worst games he's had since his first two. So like you said, this is kind of like a can I get back on my feet type thing. And against Atlanta, I 100% think he can do that. The Falcons allow uh, almost like I, I I lost the stat in my notes, but almost like two points, two PPR points per snap. Like they're super bad. And I know they've been a little bit better recently, but I'm I'm starting Herbert. I agree. I like Herbert's weapons here. Last week, I faded Keenan Allen. I do not feel that way anymore. I think Keenan Allen has an opportunity to be a top five wide receiver, if not even a top number one wide receiver this week. I love the uh, outlook for Keenan Allen. How are you guys feeling about him? I feel like Keenan Allen goes in this week after a couple down games that offense has been struggling a bit. It's been a little strange because Austin Eckler returns and now their defense and now their offense starts struggling. Maybe they're trying to like funnel the offense through Eckler a little bit too much and uh, Justin Herbert just lost his feel for the offense a little bit, but I agree with Jason that against Atlanta, they're going to bounce back and I'm firing up Keenan Allen happily. And Mike Williams, again, we've discussed how up and down he is. And over these last two weeks, you've seen just how down the down is because he's been outside the top 60 receivers. And then prior to that, he was the number 14 overall receiver. And now we get to match up here against Atlanta and Mike Williams is just one of those guys I personally never want to start. I understand if you're a risk taker. I, I prefer starting Mike Williams if you're that team projected to lose by like 30 points and you need to chase upside because the dude could go off. The dude could also have a terrible game. And he's he's one of the most inconsistent players in the league at this point. And trust him at your own accord. Like it's I'm not going to tell you to sit him. I'm not going to tell you to start him. I'm just going to tell you, I personally wouldn't start him. And even in a great matchup, he he's third in the pecking order for targets between between excuse me, maybe between Allen and Henry. Now even fourth with Austin Eckler back. Right. So it's just I wouldn't want to be the guy who trusts Mike Williams this week. I feel like Hunter Henry is a no doubt about it start um, because of the weak tight end landscape. Um, yeah, he had a very rough game against New England. One catch, five yards. Only two targets, but prior to that, his targets were way up, and he was getting super involved in the offense, double digits, back-to-back-to-back weeks. I'm just throwing the New England game out the window. Bill Belichick against the rookie was a a very tough matchup, and clearly they were not up to the task. Uh, Justin Jackson returned to practice. Do you think that has has any bearing on fantasy? Are you giving Justin Jackson a chance? He definitely had the... Uh, role of Melvin Gordon-esque player before Eckler went down the first time. Um, Kelly has been a bust. 
Um, Kalen Balaj has been hurt. Do you think Justin Jackson comes back and makes some noise? No, definitely not. I mean, he was the Melvin Gordon-esque player like with Kelly and stuff. But when Eckler was healthy, it was Josh Kelly who's a nuisance. And now Josh Kelly is a do. So I'm not worried about any of that. Or Balaj is probably second on the pecking order at this point. I th- they like yeah, Justin it, Jackson. I like Justin Jackson. I think that he'll he'll get something, but I don't think it's going to be fantasy viable. Michael, do you like Hunter Henry this week? I know you're not a big Hunter Henry fan. No, yeah, I was just saying I'm definitely in tight end landscape, definitely trusting him. I'm, I'm throwing last week out the window. I'm trusting what we've seen the past three weeks prior to that where he's actually been a very solid option. Um. Okay. Uh, Eckler. I think you. I thought Jason would have a response to that. Apparently not. That's what I. That's why I paused as well. <laughs> really? Um, why was that the? Because you asked me about Hunter Henry, bro. I was interested. I was a listener for a minute. Uh, let's go over to the Falcon side. Um. Well, real quick. Start yeah, Austin Eckler. Just gotta yeah. throw that out there. The dude has twenty-five targets and twenty-two rush attempts over the last two weeks. So he's back to being Austin Eckler. Last week was a down week, but he'll bounce back even in a difficult matchup against Atlanta. Surprisingly, Atlanta is like one of the best run defenses in the league, and they have been all year. But Austin Eckler is a different breed of running back. So, yeah, I'm firing him up. Let's go over to the Falcon side. The Julio Jones saga continues. It's going to be another game time decision for Julio Jones. Yeah, yo, why don't the Falcons just sit the damn guy? Like, they're out of playoff contention, and they do this every single year. I don't understand it. And it's frustrating because, yes, he's been, like, active and playing, he has not been like Julio Jones. He's been a, a decent start, but he's not that automatic set it and forget it wide receiver one by any means. He's been he's been wide receiver since that blow up game against Minnesota. He's been wide receiver 24, 13, 23, 60. He got hurt, missed the game, and then wide receiver 34. Now he's not practicing. The Chargers secondary is one of the secondaries that have been increasingly getting better as the season has gone on. It's just very frustrating for uh, Julio Jones managers, but like it's not like it's impossible to sit Julio Jones in my opinion because he has such a high ceiling. He has one of the highest ceilings in the game. It's just at this point, like just rest the dude if he's gonna keep missing practice and shit. Like, why don't you want him to just get healthy? I yeah, get Julio it. Jones's largest bearing is on Matt Ryan. Um, I think Matt Ryan is a good QB one play. If Julio Jones oh. You kidding? Yeah. Oh. No, I disagree. There's no way I'm firing on Matt Ryan. Oh. Matt Ryan has been a QB one when Julio Jones is healthy. Nah, over the, he's been yeah. terrible. No, no. You guys are bugging. It's the Even fucking over, dude. Over the last three weeks, he, his best game was when Julio was out against Las Vegas, against New Orleans twice. He was QB twenty six. I'm talking twice. about how it's not real, Julio. I know, but that's why I'm not trusting Matt Ryan. There's no way I'm starting that. I'm not touching him if Julio is out. I'm not touching him, period. If Julio is in, which I'm assuming right now, I have Matt Ryan as my quarterback 12. Yuck. Out since since week three, Matt Matt Ryan has been over 20 points twice. And each of those times, he like bookends it with a single point performance. All right. So give me 20 points. I'll make that bet. Oh, absolutely. Tim, you want in? Yeah. Okay. All right, I'm writing this I down. You guys can carry on. More bets because I haven't made enough. <laughs> well, Jason, I, the point of getting the bets though is to win them. You want to talk about winning? The Chargers' backfield is not winning. You mean the Falcons? The Falcons' backfield is not winning. <laughs> uh, 
No single running back has had more than 15 rushes in like four weeks now. It's like a full-blown running back by committee with Dadu, Dadu, and Mr. Dadu. Um, Todd Gurley being the mister because he's a senior in that backfield. They're just, it's a bunch of average running backs at this point who don't really get that much work. So I'm avoiding all of them at all costs. I concur. There is no bone in my body that wants to trust an Atlanta Falcon running back in the playoff game with the way that offense has been rolling on the ground because it's just, it's been ugly. So yeah, no thank you to all of them. Even if it's seems like a good idea, like Todd Gurley, he started the season, the first half of the season, the dude was an RB1. Like it may seem like a good idea if they say he's healthy and ready to go. I just, there's no way I'm going to, I'm going to do it unless I'm like super desperate. And what about, I mean, I agree with you. Since I'm asking Michael about tight ends in this game for some reason, what about Hayden Hurst? I I like Hayden Hurst. I think that he, he could find the end zone. I never like Hayden Hurst. I I was kind of like recently, you know, if Hayden Hurst has a good, he could find the end zone or something, yada, yada, yada. But this dude like just continues to suck. I'm sorry. Like he's been terrible. He I hasn't agree. been a he hasn't been inside the top ten tight ends over the last five weeks. Like his best game was against Las Vegas without Julio. So if Julio's out, sure. But against New Orleans, he caught one ball over two games. Uh, the Chargers are a decent matchup, but guess what? Chicago was his best matchup of the season, according to tight end points per game. He went one catch for one yard. It happened to be a touchdown against Chicago, but that was it. Like matchups haven't really even mattered in this situation. It's been super random games where you could semi trust him. I just, I'd very much rather not trust Hayden Hurst this week if I had the choice. Okay, Michael, you've convinced me. I don't like Hayden Hurst this week. There you go. <laughs> Four targets and two targets in two of the last three games. Yeah. yeah. Totally yuck. Yuckaroo. Totally yuckers. Uh, let's move on to our next game, unless you guys want to talk about someone in this one. Moving on up. Moving on. Guys, uh, I'm doing it. I'm recycling a joke. Are you ready? Oh boy. And Tony No Gibson. I kind of laughed when I listened to the podcast. I'm not uh, no, lie. Sorry. So Antony No. Uh def uh, not gonna play. Turf toe. Sounds funny, but it's not. We went over turf toe in the last episode and what it really is. It is a definite uh important injury. Who needs a fantasy doctor? Now a lot of people they doctor, doctor are, give me the news. Shush your face. Are assuming <laughs> that this is good news for J, uh, J.D. McKissick. Uh, I am not sure that I agree with them. Here's why. Last week, the Red, I mean the uh, Washington game plan was as good of a game plan as you can draw up against the Steelers. The Steelers get pressure, so the game plan was to snap the ball, get it out. Snap the ball, get it out. Snap the ball, and because of that. McKissick and Lance Thomas, uh, not Lance Thomas, um, Logan Thomas, Logan Thomas, he, they both went in. For me, I'm not looking at that as a trend forward. I'm looking at that as a one-game aberration. As of right now, the 49ers have half the sacks that San Francisco, I mean that uh, Pittsburgh does. And 40, the 49ers are usually concurrent with thinking, oh, that's a great pass rush. But because of the injuries, they don't have that great pass rush anymore. I think Washington goes back to their original game plan. If you remember, Terry McLaurin, who had a terrible game, put up two points in half PPR settings. He didn't do anything in this game. But before that, six straight games of 70 yards in each game. I think that it goes back to the to what you what you saw from Washington. Now, here's why I don't think McKissick 
benefits from that. I think that this team has a very clear pecking order and what they want people to do. Peyton Barber, to me, is the replacement for Antonio Gibson. And although McKissick's role as a pass-catching back might go up because of that, I wouldn't expect McKissick to have a larger role in terms of being the starting running back and being a workhorse type. He's just not the type. So for those of saying, oh, McKissick's back, McKissick's back, I'm going to put him in there and he's going to get eight catches for sure. I don't know if that's the case because I still think that Peyton Barber is going to touch the ball 15 times because that's how Washington rolls. That's how an Alex Smith offense rolls. Alex Smith is most effective out of the play action. So I think that we see Washington kind of revert back to the to the system that we saw play out, except Peyton Barber takes on the role of Antonio Gibson, and Antonio Gibson had been catching the ball catching the ball more uh, as of late. So maybe McKissick gets that uptick, but I don't think the workload goes up for McKissick as much as the consensus does. How are you guys feeling about this backfield? Yeah, I'm not gonna. I appreciate everything you just did, Tim. But I'm gonna tell you to suck it. Oh, yep. same okay. here. That, that it would be uh, it would be nice of me to call Peyton Barber to do. That would be a compliment. McKissick had 53 snaps last week. Barber at 24. Peyton Barber is awful. And the sad part is, if I had to bet, I'd probably I think Peyton Barber is going to fall into the end zone this week because that's just what he does. I think he has one of the better chances in the league of scoring a touchdown this week, Peyton Barber. Yeah, because the Washington running back scores a touchdown every week. Yeah. But McKissick is still going to see the field much more than Barber. And Alex Smith literally throws the ball a yard every time. So I do think McKissick is going to be more involved. They're probably going to use him as an extension of the running game since Peyton Barber is not going to be able to get anything going. And I think McKissick is a decent flex option. I don't love him, but he's someone to consider. I don't think Peyton Barber is that big of a issue i agree with jason man mckissick i mean he's gonna be locked into 10 plus targets again in my eyes i don't see how that wouldn't be the case without antonio gibson on the field jd mckissick is going to see a ridiculous amount of targets because that's his role in that offense and he even gets a few carries now and then he had five carries last week sure peyton barber is gonna get a lot of burn as well on early downs but i think this is certainly a game where you could trust jd mckissick in the flex again mainly in PPR leagues. and half PPR leagues, his ceiling has always been limited because he's not really a touchdown guy either. But, I mean, yeah, I don't, I don't see why he's not at least a decent flex player He's if he's going to see 8 to 10 targets, which, why, which I expect. What about, how do you feel about the outside guys? As you know, McLaurin had a bad game, but also Steven Sims, second most targets on the team, 96 yards in the air. Is he worth a look? How do you feel about these outsiders here? And then we'll talk about Logan Thomas after. <laughs> Uh, Cam Sims, you're getting the wrong Sims Cam mixed Sims. up here of the Washington football team. Yes, he was kind of balling out a little bit. It was fun to watch um, against Pittsburgh, but no, I'm not going to trust Cam Sims here. Um, this was like by far his best game ever, but a few weeks ago he went four for 54 as well. And like, if that's his ceiling, I, I do not see this type of game at all coming from Cam Sims against San Fran with Sherman and uh. Jason Verrett on the outside, so I'm not interested in those guys. Terry McLaurin, I'm very interested in. After that atrocious performance, I'm not ranking him lower. I'm ranking him higher because I think he's going to be pissed and come back and go in, um, or at least try to, against San Fran. Lowest target total of the season. 
lowest reception total of the season, yard total of the season, you name it, it was likely his lowest of the season. And against San Fran this week, we just, I mean, we just saw San Fran get beat really bad by Buffalo wide receivers. I thought that was gonna, that was going to go much differently, but that that secondary is not as good as I thought. Um, so I think Terry McLaurin has a shot to have a really good game here and really bounce back from that awful Week 13 performance. I think the Niners secondary definitely gets hit by these, these you know, they have all their best pass rushes are not in the game anymore. And, and they were playing they were playing zone a lot. And if they're gonna play zone defense, expect Terry McLaurin to be that much more involved. Uh anyone else you guys want oh, of course. Uh Ian Thomas and oh my god. Logan Thomas. Logan Thomas has become one of the better tight ends in fantasy in the f- last few weeks. I think that I think the Antonio Gibson injury helps him the most. I think that he he will see the targets that Antonio Gibson was vacating uh, rather than necessarily McKissick will. Um, either way, in a shitty tight end landscape, like we've mentioned, I think about 16 times already, uh, he's a guy who has guaranteed volume, so he's a guy that you must start. Yeah, in one of the patron pods a few weeks back, this is why you got to subscribe, folks. I said I had Logan Thomas as my number one tight end option. I was like, I'm just going to take, with the way this tight end landscape is, I'm going to take the guy who's seeing literally 100% of the snaps. That's the guy I'm going to trust. And it has been coming to fruition over these last several weeks, especially last week, 9 for 98 and a touchdown. Just a tremendous game out of Logan Thomas. So I agree. I'm just going to keep, if I have him, I'm likely, you're, you're likely don't have a better tight end option. So I'm just going to fire him up again against San Fran. Factorials only. Um, <laughs> let's go over to the uh, 49ers side. Debo Samuel has a bruised foot. Um, not practicing, but I don't Bruce. think I don't think that he will miss the game. On the other side, Brandon Ayuk, no less than 15 and a half fantasy points each of the last three games that he has played. He has had 33 targets combined in those games. In the last four games, he's had a 28% target share. Talk about a guy who's been absolutely killing the game, and it is Brandon Ayuk, him and Debo Samuel. One thing that you already know is that Kyle Shanahan gets his playmakers the ball, and he likes to get them the ball in space, and he likes for them to make moves. Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk are probably the most fit players for a system in terms of that. I'm starting them both with confidence, even though the Washington pass defense has been good. I concur. I don't hate it at all. I have Debo as a back-end wide receiver, too. I have um, Ayuk as a mid-range wide receiver, three. I just trust Debo a little bit more, maybe just because he's been on the field longer in his career and he knows how to make plays just a little bit better than Ayuk. But like you said, man, Shanahan goes to his playmakers, no matter who they are. And Debo and Ayuk right now are his playmakers. So I'm okay with firing them both up. Yeah, I think, I think they're both that, top 30 options. Yeah, I think it's going to be a Debo Ayuk. I mean, it's been a Debo and Ayuk week. And then uh, I think Jordan Reed is also. I know you guys are probably going to hate me for saying this, but I'm not giving up on Jordan Reed. I think he's the third option in the passing game right now. And as ugly as it was last week, he got that garbage time touchdown. He ended as a ninth tight end. And now in games where he's been fully healthy, he's been a top 10 tight end three out of the four or five games, depending on what you want to define as a fully healthy game, whether it's a second quarter or third or whatnot. Most of the time he's a top 10 tight end because it's a tight end in a Shanahan offense. I will say this. Yeah, I'm fine with streaming. Also a revenge game. That's what I was going to say. Revenge game. Favorite narrative. This is the team that gave up on him. 
Read them and weep, huh? Read them and weep. Um, read. Got it. Um, and weep. Yeah, we got it. We got it. We got it. Thank you. Um, one thing that scares me. Oh my god. And And weep, Tim. Read them. I'm getting. It's like it's Jordan Reed. I know. And you're saying read. You guys are hilarious. Yeah, I don't understand what you're not getting, but let's just move on. Yeah, you're you're a Debo, bro. I have no idea where to even go from here. Um, Jordan Reed. Jordan Reed. Uh, sure, you can play him. Uh, Raheem Mostert. This is the guy I really want to talk about because people were like, yeah, put him back in. He's going to be great. Um, and didn't have the greatest. But I was one of those people. Yeah. I, mean, I was more, too. Man. I was Mostert's too. Um, I think Mostert gets his workload increased this week, but it is a tough matchup against Washington. How do you guys feel against uh, about Mostert? Mostert is a guy who, when getting all the touches, is a locked and loaded RB1 period. I know it was upsetting last week. Only one reception, only nine carries against Buffalo. Jeffrey Wilson actually played more and totaled more yards than him. But I do think there, I don't think this is just going to be like we've seen Shanahan split up the backfield in the past multiple times. And then we've seen him give the reins to Raheem Mostert. And I feel like maybe they're just kind of like easing him back in. With that being said, I'm trusting the talent here because Raheem Mostert has shown over and over that he doesn't need that many touches to be a beast and that he's just overall a very good player. So I'm trusting the talent here, and uh, I, I'm still ranking him as a very solid RB2 option this week. And I'm not going to... like He's being ranked as if he's a flex player now. I'm not I'm not buying into that. Um, You're not buying into Mostert as a flex play? Yeah, I'm uh, buying him to him as an RB2. I'm saying he's being oh, too low. I misunderstood you. I was about to say, bro, Mostert's a baller. I agree. Last week was the least touches he's had in a game all season. I'm accounting as an anomaly because whenever he's on the field, he's he puts up numbers. Um, Anyone else you guys want to talk about in this game? I mean, Jeffrey Wilson does in like a very deep league or in a very tight uh, waiver wire league. He does... Garner some uh, flex appeal with how many touches he got last week. Um, but other than that, that's about it. Uh, also, I wanted to note a few weeks ago, Tim did say the Washington football team, their weakness is against the tight end. Think the stars are aligning for Jordan Reed. Read him and weep. That is true. That is very true. Um, the next game, if you're listening, oh the, boy, twins, oh boy. the twins can't hear this. But if you're listening, the uh, the Undertaker theme song, has begun playing, and that is because Jalen Hurts in this game, Saints at Eagles, is the dead man walking. This Saints defense has been so fucking good. So good. And the Eagles offensive line has been incredibly, incredibly terrible. We sacrifice you, oh rookie, to the gods of the NFL. I, Doug Peterson, sacrifice this young man and hope his soul feeds my team going forward. Feed us, Jalen. It is fucking ridiculous that Jalen Hurts is starting this game. I'm sorry. You do not throw Jalen Hurts in a game against the best defense in the NFL over the past month uh, behind a 
fucking offensive line that cannot pass, cannot help anything for shit. To me, the Eagles are a complete crapshoot in this game. I don't want to touch anything that even smells like an Eagle. Um, maybe Dallas Goddard. Maybe. But we don't even know about Dallas Goddard because we don't know how Jordan, I mean, how Jalen Hurts thinks and plays. I don't want anything to do with the Eagles. Sorry. No, I am not rolling the dice on a rookie against the Saints right now. Fuck that. Forget it. No Eagles. I don't care. What what do you have to say? Because the dead man walking is going to be Jalen Hurts this year, this week. I think your rant was grand. (laughs) It's a grand rant. I agree. I concur. I didn't even realize until now that I don't have any of them ranked in the top wide receiver two, tight end one, whatever of their position. Guess what were the most points the Eagles have scored in a game since week eight? So it's five weeks. 18. 17. The whole team is to do. They're a giant walking to do. I don't want to touch any of them either. I, I, in case people are wondering, like, Tim said New Orleans is one of the best defenses. What is he talking about? Because this could go under the radar, and it does go under the radar sometimes, about how damn good this defense has been. Against Tampa Bay, they give up three points. Against San Fran, 13. Against Atlanta, nine. Against Denver, albeit it was Kendall Hinton, three. And then against Atlanta again, 16. That's five straight weeks, giving up less than 16, 16 or less points per week. Not more than two touchdowns in any week. So I agree with you guys that it is going to be a very rough game for the Eagles offense unless Jalen Hurts is a lot better than we expect him to be in his first ever start. I disagree with you guys about one guy, and that's Dallas Goddard. He's clearly a tight end one. I think it's stupid not to rank him as a tight end one because he plays 100% of the snaps and sees a ridiculous amount of work. Zach Ertz returned last week and was the Zach Ertz of 2020. An absolute nobody doing absolutely nothing. That is Dallas Goddard's role as the number one passing option on that offense, and I'm going to trust Dallas Goddard as a tight end one this week. Maybe I'm, maybe I shouldn't, but that's what I'm going to do. I don't see why the switch to Jalen Hurts just automatically makes him awful. I do think it sucks for him. Like I have Dallas Goddard in my home team, and I really wish Carson Wentz was starting because he clearly likes throwing Dallas Goddard in tight ends. But I'm not just gonna sit Dallas Goddard. Like I still I think he has a good position. He's in a good position here. Okay, hit me. You got Goddard, half PPR scoring. Goddard versus Reed. New Orleans D. Goddard versus New Orleans D. That's very interesting. That is interesting. I like that. I think you get a little bit of the odds here, but I'll take it. All right, write it down. (laughs) Dude, I I just want to go to the Saints real quick because this is ridiculous. Uh, In the last... Three weeks, the top four running backs, or I should say rushers, in PPR scoring. Derrick Henry, Nick Chubb, Antonio Gibson, Taysom Taysom Hill. Hill. Taysom Hill has been the fourth best running back in the league over the last three weeks. He has been a top five quarterback. He looked the best he did last week throwing the football. The Eagles are a joke of a franchise. True. And people still have the audacity to not rank Taysom Hill as a top five quarterback. Audacity. Fuck out of here with that bitch shit. Taysom Hill is a top five quarterback. Start him in your playoffs, people. Bitch. Please. I have him at RB1 who actually threw the ball last week. 
I have him at QB eight, Jay. I'm sorry. It's ridiculous. He's a top five option. I'll bet top five end finish. Oh, I'm in. Tim, you want in? Nah, I'm gonna let you guys uh, battle that one out. I like Taysom Hill. I'm trying to load up on the bets. Um, I'll take I'll take some wins under my belt. I'd like to talk about the the Saints because Taysom Hill. Uh, Michael, you might not want to, to hear this, but I don't what's know. What's the real quick? What's the bet on Hill, Jay? Top five. Top five quarterback. Okay. Michael, you might not want to hear this, but uh, right now the fourth most rushing touchdowns to running backs, at least, um, is the Philadelphia Eagles. They have given up running touchdowns. Um, that is good news for Alvin Kamara. Um, that's why, also, w- why would I not want to hear this? Because Taysom Hill is kind of like a running back, and he could run it in, and then he could finish top five. Oh, I like Taysom Hill this week. I just oh, have him at QB8 and not QB5. <laughs> <laughs> um, either way, you know. Um, so I like... I don't think Alvin Kamara has a bad game. I think that his bad games are behind him. He is now part of this offense. He's proven that he can run in between the tackles as well in this offense. So I do believe that Alvin Kamara has a good game in this one. Um, I'm more I'm more wary about the wide receiving options, even though Michael Thomas, I think, has a good game in this one. So I basically think it's Thomas, Kamara, Hill, and then it's hard to trust anyone else, even though the, the Eagles have been porous. How are you guys feeling? I 100% like- agree. Okay. I was going to say Michael could talk about the other guys real quick. I just want to make one note. Jared Cook uh, has played 44% of the snaps over the last four weeks. Adam Troutman's role is growing, the rookie, and Jared Cook is... Even if Drew Brees played, Jared Cook would be a long shot tight end. I, I also wanted to put out there uh, for for you Alvin Kamara people because I know Alvin Kamara definitely scared you very, very much. Um, The Eagles have been buoyed by the fact that they have been excellent against the running back out of the backfield, and they have not allowed much in terms of running back out of the backfield. But in terms of – so they're they're ranked 22nd against the the running back. And usually that would scare you a little bit if you're a Kamara guy because that's Kamara's role. But that's not Kamara's role anymore. Kamara's role now is as a traditional running back. And the Eagles against traditional running backs have been horrible. And I've already said they gave, they've given up the, uh, the fifth most touchdowns, 12 uh, on the year, to, um, to running backs. And they've also already given up over 1,000 yards to running backs. So they, have been, they haven't been as good as the numbers suggest against running backs. They've just been good at covering the running back out of the backfield, which has really buoyed uh, their fantasy points against. So just wanted to you know throw that out there for those of you who are um, wondering. Uh, you guys want to talk about anyone else? Uh, uh, Jared Cook, Emmanuel Sanders, Chaquan Smith. You guys want to talk about them? Yeah, I just want to say Latavius Murray. Um, he was obviously someone flying up people's rankings like, oh, should I start Murray or Kamara? That ended last week. Um, Kamara became the clear alpha in that offense again. I don't see why that would change. And Michael Thomas... I have a wide receiver 21. I think he's more of a wide receiver too. Um, he's yet to really have a big game. And Taysom Hill threw his first two touchdowns last week, ever. So it's not like he has touchdown appeal here too. He's yet to score a touchdown this season, that is, Michael Thomas. Um, so I think he's a, a volume-based wide receiver too. And I'm not touching anyone else on that offense. No way. I don't care that yeah, Trey Quan Smith had a big game last week. I'm not touching Trey Quan Smith. Small sample size and all. Um, I input Taysom Hill into true values this week, and he's 30th, just above Mike Glennon. 
So Mike Lennon's number one receiver doesn't do much. And Michael Thomas is obviously more talented than Mike Lennon's number one receiver, but it's been rough sledding for Thomas. I think he's more of a, like you said, volume-based wide receiver two. I'd even feel safer as a wide receiver three. <clears throat> three. My voice tailed yeah, off. Yeah, he forgot it. A wide receiver three. A wide receiver three. wide receiver three. Also, yo, guys, we just kind of completely skipped over the hard Eagles backfield of Miles Sanders, Jordan Howard, and Boston Scott. You're right. So I just want to say, I mean, I mentioned that I'm not trying to start any of them, but go ahead. But still, Miles Sanders is someone who needs to be discussed. Facts. People have put on miles and miles of anger inside their minds because of Miles Sanders. So, yeah, I have this dude as my running back 30 this week. Very well below consensus, and I don't think it's an overreaction. Um, This is against a New Orleans running defense who hasn't allowed a 100-yard rusher in how many games you say it was, Tim? Like 48 games or something? They're allowing under... Something ridiculous like that. They're allowing under 70 rushing yards per game, allowing under 25 receiving yards out of the backfield per game, have given up five touchdowns total to opposing running backs. Miles Sanders just played 57% of snaps. Jordan Howard and Boston Scott combined for the rest and had more carries overall than Miles Sanders. So whack. Sanders has completely lost his role in the pass-catching game. And sure, they'll likely run more options with Jalen Hurts and such. That doesn't automatically mean success. Like, just because the offense is going to change a little bit doesn't mean Miles Sanders automatically gets a big plus. This dude has been running back 34, running back 40, and running back 52 the last three weeks. I mean, if he just put up five fantasy points, I'd have a bye in our home league last week. But that's just who Miles Sanders has been recently, and the way they use him in that backfield, like, I know he's had some trouble with drops, but to just completely take him out of the passing game with the way he was dominating last season in the passing game. There's just so many question marks about Miles Sanders' usage. And in literally the worst matchup you could get against New Orleans, it's going to be very hard for me to start him. Yeah, I mean, I agree with everything you just said. Jason, you want to chime in on that? And I'm, gonna I'm, say highly, it, I'm just going to say I'm highly considering starting Gio Bernard over Miles Sanders in our home league. I have to make that decision. I thought you were. I'm leaning. I thought, yeah, I thought you were starting Gio. Not thinking about it. No, no I'm. I'm yeah, I said that about Hines. Oh, oh, okay, okay. All right, so um, let's move on to the next game. Sunday night football on MSG. The Steelers and the Bills are the best on TV. Big Ben is throwing. Josh Allen too. Single Terry Connor in the backfield too. Come on, Tim. Now is the perfect time for you to go to the bee's knees. Shut your bees fucking face. <laughs> I'm gonna tell you what. I'm gonna tell you the most you've ever seen. I'm gonna tell you what though. Um, I am purposely um t- time stamping this game after that that song because I don't want. Come I don't on, want the dude. Fans. That's spiteful. Come on. That's cold. <laughs> I'm legit. Like that hurt. <laughs> Fuck your song, son. No, I'm not. I didn't didn't time stamp it after the game. Uh, Let's go Steelers at Bengals. Um, The Steelers have given the West. Steelers at Bills. Bills, excuse me. The Steelers have given the West Coast offense a new meaning 
over the last few games. The last three games, the Steelers have thrown the ball a whopping 71% of the time, culminating in 80% passes in last week's loss to Washington. This is not a sustainable um, thing. The Bills have been a plus matchup for running backs, and James Conner is off the IR. With that being said, if you have James Conner, how are you feeling, or do you start him with any confidence? I am always a James Conner stan, as the kids say. There's no reason not to start James Conner. I know that he had a few down weeks this season, but you know what? He's not fucking Derrick Henry. Sorry. People have down weeks. Besides the two down weeks in weeks 9 and 10, this guy is a top 20 running back every week. Mike Tomlin, time and time again, has said and shown, if you want the actions to speak louder than the words, that he uses a workhorse running back. And this season, a workhorse is a little bit less of a workhorse than usual, but that's just because they're throwing more. And James Conner, as long as he's playing, I'm starting as my RB2. Yeah, um, I'm not going to disagree with you there. Uh, as long as James Conner, it's not like J- Benny Snell and Anthony McFarlane played well while he was gone. Like you said, they had to go and give Ben Roethlisberger 80% of the time they forced him to throw with Benny Snell and Anthony McFarland as the lead guys. So I do think James Connor, he's expected back. I think he steps right back into his role. And I think that just means he's going to be stepping right back into RB two territory because Buffalo is not a tough matchup on the ground. Um, they're about mid range um, against running back. So it's certainly not one I'm going to shy away from. So I'm, I agree with Jason about James Conner. I'm perfectly fine with sticking right back into my RB2, RB2 slot as long as he's ready to go, which it seems like he will be. As of right now, the running back for the Steelers has been the outside guys. It's been Deontay Johnson. It's been Juju Smith-Schuster. It's been Eric Ebron. Uh, Eric Ebron, by the way, shout out to Jess, cannot catch a cold, bro. Like, Eric Ebron should not even take COVID tests because there's no way he's catching that. Uh, he, Yo. he can't catch. That whole team forgot how to catch. Mike Tomlin after the game was like, catch the ball or I'll find someone else who can. Like, even Mike Tomlin is like, yo, catch the ball. What's wrong with you people? And I'll tell you this. One person who absolutely terrified me, who I'd be very scared to start this week. Tim, you're probably going to get a kick out of this name again, too, is Chase Claypool. I We were recording the episode on Monday, and I was like, yo, where is Chase Claypool? Is he even playing? And this dude played 44% of snaps behind Juju, behind Deontay, and even 10% behind James Washington. And James Washington took a pass to the house. Claypool dropped a pass, and guess what? Mike Tomlin is deciding that he hates players who drop passes. The upside, obviously, we've seen it over and over. There is considerable upside with Chase Claypool. But if I have Chase Claypool and I'm starting him as anything more than my wide receiver three, like if I have to start him in a two wide receiver league or something like that, I'm going to be absolutely terrified about it. J- because if, if if this happens again this week where he sees 45% of snaps and less than five targets, I it's not going to be great. Michael, Music I, to my ears. Yeah, I was going to say, Michael, I'm, I'm really loving your analysis this week. 
I have to say. <laughs> uh, Michael just hates everyone on my opponent's team. You better um, hope Michael doesn't fucking suck at this. I, I've, or I, else you're going to lose. <laughs> everyone <laughs> better hope that because uh, if you're listening right now, we want everyone to win. So far, I will say Michael Michael wins the crown of uh, brother brother with the best uh, fantasy advice this week, this year so far, I feel like. I think Michael has been uh, on fire. Uh, so I'm I'm glad I'm glad Michael agrees. But I will say this: I'm gone a few weeks, and Tim's forgetting all I do. I'm joking, <laughs> Michael. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not. Hey, look, I've been good too. We've all been good, but Mike think Michael's been the best of us. Um, with that being said, I disagree with you again, Michael. I think that um, right. one of the reasons why Chase Claypool was not involved in the pass in the um pass attack last week is by design. I think that the the top two teams in the league in sacks last week. Where I mean, coming into last week, Steelers, Washington uh, football team. So both of the teams had a very similar game plan, and you saw it was all quick pass, quick pass, quick pass, quick pass, quick pass. And even the James, like you said, the the James Washington uh, to the house was James Washington taking it to the house on a run after. It's not like it was a big one of those big rainbows that Big Ben likes to throw up. So. I do believe that Chase Claypool was just game scripted out of that game because that was the plan. The Bills, on the other hand, have been very susceptible to long passes. So I actually like Claypool in this game. I think that Claypool could could catch a big one. I, it's Juju who I don't who I think takes the back seat. And I think if if um, if James Conner comes back and is and is healthy and is one hundred percent and gets the carries, I'm worried about Ebron. But I think that those are my biggest worries is Juju and Ebron in this game rather than Claypool and Deontay Johnson. I'm equally very concerned about Juju as I am Claypool because to go on 10 targets and end as wide receiver 64, seven receptions and 28 yards is some of the ugliest shit I've seen. And the next-gen stats um, route chart just shows Juju running flats. They, They call hike and this dude just runs to the left and they throw it to him for a one yard gain. Like it's an absolute joke what they're doing in that offense right now. Like this is why I've been saying the Steelers are a fraud this whole season. And I called them losing to Washington. Once they face an actually tough defense, that offense sucks, but guess what? They faced their actual tough defense and they, they, what they scored two touchdowns the entire game. And that offense did not look good. I know they didn't have James Conner, but it's just, I'd be very scared about starting Juju in this game too, because I don't want a guy who's going to average four yards per reception. And it's not like this is brand new against Baltimore, nine targets, eight receptions, 37 yards against Jacksonville, five targets, four receptions, 19 yards. That's three straight games. I want to know if this has ever happened. Three straight games, 19 total receptions, less than five yards per reception. That's some of the ugliest shit I've ever seen out of a wide receiver ever. And I'm a huge Juju Smith-Schuster guy. I don't understand what they're doing in that offense, but it's just despicable I, and ugly. I think that's what happens when Benny Snell is your starting running back. Because then I don't, I don't you're trying to call, run the ball. I don't ball. know if it's just that, man. You're trying to run the ball with Juju. You know I don't I mean? know if it's just that. It's, I, I, it's not just that, but I'm just saying that's, that definitely factors in. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess. But, I, I mean, I guess we'll have to see against Buffalo this week. But, again, I... I really wouldn't want to be the one who has to trust Juju here either as anything more than like a low-end wide receiver three option. Big Ben? Nope. I don't want anything to do with this Steelers offense really besides Deontay Johnson and James Conner, who I think Conner RB2, like me and Jason said, and 
Deontay Johnson's really the only one of the bunch that you could actually trust because he's going to see 10 plus targets and he doesn't only get targets at the line of scrimmage. He's also been, uh, he also has four touchdowns on the year. So he has been finding the end zone. So, I mean, yeah, I think Deontay Johnson's the only real must start here. It's going to be interesting to see where Deontay Johnson goes in next year's drafts. I, I, I would say third round would be where I would, consider him going right now and i don't know if i would pay up at a third round price for deontay johnson next year anyway that's that's another conversation for another day let's go over to the bill side one of the hardest decisions you're going to make this week is starting josh allen against the steelers because josh allen has been absolutely balling but you looked you know this is not a good matchup the steelers have been amazing against the quarterback how do you guys feel about this matchup for josh allen yeah i disagree you start josh allen pittsburgh has been good against quarterbacks but like they haven't been super bulletproof. Their secondary was actually a secondary you want to target for big plays earlier in the season. And Josh Allen, right when San Francisco's defense was looking like it was a great defense, um, they were getting they were coming back around. Absolutely torched them to the tune of three seventy five and four touchdowns. Didn't even need to use his legs to get a quarterback to finish. Josh Allen has now been quarterback two four sixteen two in the last four weeks. He is Hot again, and you don't sit a jihad Josh Allen. Uh, yeah, no. What's a jihad Josh Allen? Sometimes a jihad, a jihad, jihad Allen. Where do you have Allen ranked, Jay? I have him as quarterback seven. Okay, I have my QB ten. I was gonna say we can make a bet, but it's very close, so I don't, I don't see a bet happening. How about these outside options? You saw that, although McLaurin did not have a great game, and historically the 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 Steelers have given up this year a lot to the number one receiver so um with that being said I'm gonna go with what I see and I, I there's a hot Josh Allen um I feel like I feel like like uh what's his name Stefan Diggs there you go Stefan Diggs is gonna be someone that you're gonna be very happy playing this week I mean Stefan Diggs I've repeatedly said Stefan Diggs it's not like the prototypical must start every week wide receiver one because he very rarely ever finishes as a wide receiver one. He's more of a must start every week wide receiver two, but he's been so damn consistent that he's like constantly ranked as a wide receiver one. Um, He only has one. He has two games this week, this year, actually inside the top 12. So I do think, look, you have to start Stefan Diggs period, but I don't see like a top 10 huge game coming but he should continue to be ridiculously consistent as he has been. So that's how I feel about Stefan Diggs. Cause uh, I see a lot of people. Well, the, the majority of people are always ranking him in the top 10 and he ar- hardly ever ends there. And against Pittsburgh, I know they uh, not against Pittsburgh. Yeah. Against Pittsburgh, they do allow big games to riders wide receivers every now and then, but overall they're still a very strong defense. So I do think I don't see like a top five performance coming out of Stefan Diggs. I do see a very consistent, Stefan Diggs, as we have seen, though, and if Cole Beasley, look, as long as John Brown is out, you play Cole Beasley. Period. Yep. Like I don't, I don't, I don't really see. There's no question at this point. Like I have him as my wide receiver twenty three, and I don't think that's crazy. He's been a top three receiver two of the last three weeks. Like it's not even not a top twenty four receiver, a top three overall receiver two of the last three weeks. He's been great in games without John Brown. I highlighted it in one of the sleeper bust articles recently so yeah i'm firing up cole beasley too 
Cole Beasley, 22nd in true target value. It ain't no fluke. There you go. And then Gabriel Davis. Hold on, hold on, Jason. Say that again. Cole Beasley, 22nd in true target value. It ain't no fluke. Now suck my balls. Jason, say it again. Say it again slower. The bees need. Jason, say it again slower. The bees need. I got to say, Tim, uh, attacking Jason with players that he hates is fun. Oh. <laughs> Cole Beasley and Corey Davis. It's just a Usually ton of fun. Against me. Welcome, Jason, back. But yeah, real I quick, though. Gabriel Davis. Gabriel Davis has seen four targets in each of the last two weeks. I don't want to bank on that. Is a touchdown machination. What? Top 21 wide receiver in the last three weeks. Four weeks, three times. Gabriel Davis somehow finds ends on every time. He's a knack for it. And if he doesn't, he still makes a big play. He's the big play receiver on that team right now. And Pittsburgh, as I said earlier, has been vulnerable to big plays. I don't hate Gabriel Davis as a flex play if you're desperate. Sure, as a flex play, but I like I'm not gonna I'm not just gonna move him into my top thirty six because he's had a few good games. The targets just really aren't there. Fair enough. And I'm not I'm not chasing the Dawson Knox game from last week. He's been too nah. irrelevant in that offense for too long. No. Uh, he's like the fifth option on the offense. Let's talk about Let the say, man, Bills running backs. Dude, Zach Moss got benched last week after yeah. a fumble, and Devin Singletary saw 84% of the snaps he sucks. and still only put up nine and a half, half PPR points. He sucks. And now they're playing the Steelers front seven. Like, don't even hard pass. Running back. Yeah, yeah. Hard, hard pass across Unless the ball. Unless you have to play those guys, don't. Um, Anyone else you guys want to talk about in this game? Uh, No, I don't think so. Let's get to our final game. The final game of the of the locket. Uh it we're oh, we're <laughs> an, an hour and 25 minutes into this bad boy. Yeah, we, we are baby. For a long time if you include our the first one, man. And we do a these back time. to back. We've been talking for a long ass time. Um and I still have holiday celebrate Mark Andrew is activated. Yeah. The why the reason why I love it is because Cleveland has given up the third most receptions to tight ends. Seven yards. This is for you. Second most tight ends. All that becomes one neat fantasy package of the second most points given up to the position. And the 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 offense, the passing offense of the of the Ravens the last two weeks without him has been trash. And the tight ends without him have been trash. He is going to come in and he is going to dominate right away. Dominate. Zaminate. Dominate. That's that's different languages. If you didn't Tim know. Really makes, Tim really makes this guy Mark Andrews. He goes off the chain when he talks about him. I, I think we're our, Mark That's Andrews, I took him. I took him in every fucking league that I have, and he's been disappointing. But he's been good. But he's been disappointing. If he can come now in the playoffs and be the guy in three good matchups, I want a fuck. Hell yeah! All right, yeah, um, you're start him. Period. I agree with you. Jeez, Louise, number Jeez one tight end overall this week. I do want to say a lot of people are probably gonna wrongfully chase Marquise Brown here. I don't think it's a surprise that it's too best games over these last two weeks happened with Mark Andrews not playing eight targets, eight targets were two of the highest targets totals he's seen since week five. I still think he's a decent flex option because he does at least seem to be getting more involved in the offense and they're trying to get him involved with plays close to the line of scrimmage as well. 
but I'm like I'm not jumping on the Marquise Brown bandwagon by any means. No, that makes two of us on that one. Um especially now with Mark Andrews coming back. Um how are you feeling about this backfield though because the Browns have been a good match have haven't been a good matchup for running backs and you saw JK Dobbins. You want to talk about a, a hardcore loss? I lost my matchup last week to to lose a bye potentially. It ended up the team that needed to win to keep me from a bye ended up winning anyway, so I I didn't I wouldn't have got the bye anyway, but potentially a a bye losing. I I I dropped from third place to fourth place. A uh, bye golly. A bye golly. Um was the garbage time touchdowns by J.K. Dobbins last week, and I lost by 0.2 points on that touchdown. To the point Fun. where even, like, I wanted Lamar Jackson because I was playing Lamar Jackson, too. I wanted Lamar Jackson to take two knees to lose four yards so I could win, um, but that didn't happen. Um, <laughs> so how are you guys feeling about this backfield? I, it, it seems as though J.K. Dobbins, although Gus Edwards looked phenomenal, it seems as though J.K. Dobbins is the guy now. Hey. Does it? I disagree. I mean, uh, seven rushes for Gus Edwards. Gus Edwards had seven rushes, but Ingram had seven rushes. Justice Hill had a rush, and Dobbins had 11 rushes. Dobbins had 38% of snaps. Gus had 33. snaps. Edwards had 18. Mm. This is actually the smallest snap share Dobbins has had since week five. That sucks. The production is nice. It's good to see 10 rushes for 70 yards. This is kind of what I was scared of last week when I saw J.K. Dobbins rising up ranking boards. Like, well, I mean, like, we're just going to assume that this guy coming back from COVID, a rookie, is going to get that role. He performed well, but I'm still a little weary, man. The Cleveland rush defense isn't the worst unit. They've done a pretty good job of eliminating running backs this season. There's only been eight top 24 running backs against the Browns this season, and most of that is based off of volume. So Dobbins are going to have to have a very good game again. But it might be tough considering his two best games, Dallas and Tennessee, are better matchups in Cleveland. I'm chasing the upside here. I think he's a strong RB2 play. Just, I mean, once you get, like, the art, the running back field is not, like, pretty by any means. Like, it's a pretty ugly overall field. We could rank a lot of guys in a lot of different places. And J.K. Dobbins has just about as much upside as anyone, really. So I do think he is a strong RB2 here for me. I'm going to... I'm gonna give him give him a go. Um, Gus Edwards, on the other hand, I mean, there's no way I'm gonna trust Gus Edwards. It was nice he got the carries, but as we know, Gus Edwards is not someone you could trust um, unless he's just alone in that backfield, which he will not be. So, yeah, J.K. Dobbins is the only uh, Ravens running back that I'd be interested in this weekend. Uh, and then, of course, we got Lamar Jackson, who had a nice bounce back game. Um, he put up 27 points against the Browns in his first outing, but that was a very different Browns team in week one. Um, so I'd throw that out the window. How much are you putting on Lamar Jackson? Uh, can he be a fantasy savior for those who, if, I mean, most people who drafted Lamar Jackson are not in the playoffs right now, but if you did or, or you acquired him and made the playoffs, uh, is it possible that he turns the corner and makes it happen? The, the Browns have been susceptible to good quarterback play. Since the Ravens' bye week, week seven, Lamar Jackson has not had a game with less than 11 rushes and leads the league in quarterback carries. That's over Cam Newton, Josh Allen, Kyler Murray. So we're seeing the Ravens' offense revert back to what it was when Lamar Jackson was running like a madman, and that means good things for fantasy purposes. Um, 
since the bye week, he's been a top eight quarterback two out of five games. So it hasn't been like last season, but he also hasn't been brutal. And he's been outside of the top eight. He's been quarterback 17, 19, 16. So he's not killing you. And that's the important part where he's giving you a floor so that if he doesn't reach that ceiling, he's still going to not destroy you. And I think that you can take that into your playoffs and start him. Normally, yeah. normally on the uh, Brown side, unless you do you want to talk about another Raven, Michael? I, I feel like I cut you off. No, no, no. I'm agreeing with Jason. So let's go over to the Brown side. Normally on the Brown, for if you're playing the Ravens, you're like, this is a really bad matchup. But for the Ravens, Calais Campbell, DNP. Anthony Levine, a, a linebacker, did, uh, a slash uh, D-back, did not practice. Parnell McPhee, a linebacker, did not practice. Marcus Peters and Jimmy Smith, their top two corners, did not practice. Um, Traymond Williams, another corner, did not practice. Derek Wolf, the other D-end, did not practice. This is a banged-up team right now. This is a team that um, was dealing with a lot, and... They will continue to be dealing with a lot. Um, if any of these guys don't play, and it doesn't look like Jimmy Smith is going to play, and Calais Campbell is not trending forward, and Derek Wolf's not trending forward. So basically what I'm saying is this is a team that's that's vulnerable where they're usually not vulnerable. And I, I feel like that's a great news for a very, very hot Baker Mayfield. And that's even better news for Jarvis Landry, who's received 37% of the targets in games where it's not a monsoon. And plus... OBJ didn't play. So it's very clear what's going on here. And I I think that Baker Mayfield, this is another guy where if you're playing DFS, start Baker Mayfield because he's going to be cheap and he's going to be in a, in a matchup where not a lot of people are going to start him. But a lot of people are missing on this Ravens team. The Browns are looking to make a statement. They're at home. I kind of like, I kind of like Baker here. I don't. And, and Jarvis and Jarvis. I'm not starting Baker against Baltimore, man. In the playoffs, the fuck you doing? Playoffs. I didn't say like, I didn't say start him. I said I like him for DFS. And if you need oh, something, man. then I would. I w- you could do worse, in my opinion. Even I'll probably. I will probably rank Baker Mayfield around quarterback fourteen ish. It's ridiculous. I have him at twenty four, and I did not bat an eye at that. Yeah, I'm a little. I'm. I. I just. I don't want to trust Baker. I know he's well, been playing better. Did you better. know that both starting quarterbacks, both starting DNs, and two starting linebackers are, are missing? Yeah, I yeah, know they're dealing okay. with. All right, then three starting cornerbacks. That's big, dude. You're bugging. All right, I'm not starting Baker Mayfield. That's all I'm saying. You could have the top fourteen. I smell a bet. Top five, Top fifteen. You just added a number, but fine. He'll he's going to be outside the top fifteen. Okay. Yeah, I'm in as well. Mark it down. I do agree that Jarvis Landry's a strong. Wide receiver three. Um, three? Hollywood Higgins. This guy can't yeah. get wide receiver two respect from you after the last few games? Not against Baltimore, no. Man, I don't know. I don't know. I think you're looking at a different Baltimore team than I am. I think you're bugging out a little bit. I don't know where Baltimore's not that good. They're dealing with some injuries. Whoa. Dealing with some injuries. Three three cornerbacks, both of their starting DNs, two linebackers. That's the entire defense. And, they're, and Broderick Washington at DT has a concussion. It's the entire defense. I'm just fine. You fine? Go all in on the Browns if you'd like. I'm not I'm going not, to. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not going all in, but I'm just saying. I think Jarvis Landry's a, a strong wide receiver three. We've seen him play well the last couple of weeks. This is a more difficult matchup, so let's see how he performs now. That's all I'm saying. It's not like 
we have a large base to go off of because Landry was a scrub prior to the monsoon games and into the monsoon games. So I'm just saying chill out a little bit. Hollywood Higgins is very dependent on Kadero Hodge uh, if he plays. I'm not entirely sure what's going on with Daryl Hodge. I haven't seen any updates or anything. So I'll keep an eye on that. But I don't really want to trust a second wide receiver option against Baltimore either. So I know Hollywood Higgins had a huge game last week. But I don't really want to trust him as anything more than like a lower end flex play. Um, and only if Daryl Hodge sits. Catch me playing a DFS lineup with Baker Mayfield, Jarvis Landry, maybe, maybe, Depending on Cordell Hodge, Cordell, Cordell Hodge. Um, I hope that lineup is just a Monday slate and you're trying to be contrarian. No, maybe Higgins and uh, definitely that dude from the Texans that we were talking about that I can't remember his name right now. Chad I'm glad Hansen. this is the last game because clearly you're losing your mind. <laughs> that, well, this is how you play DFS, bro. You got to pay people that other people don't play that score a lot of points. That's that's the name of the game in DFS. Um, Nick Chubb. Nick, yeah, that's a guy that I'm not going to be playing because a lot of people are going to be playing. Continues to give... Managers a chub when he runs the ball. Factoids. I really don't need to say much about Nick Chubb. He's a fucking stud. The best running back in the run NFL. Over 100 yards and he's going to find the end zone. I think the more interesting running back is Kareem Hunt. Who listen? We've had our fair share of Kareem Hunt debates on this podcast, and I said I don't want to back up running back in the fifth round, and you guys said no. He's a lot more than that, and I was conceded and given up hope. I was like, you know what? You guys are right. He's a lot more than that. And in the last five weeks, Kareem Hunt has been looked every bit of a backup running back. Yeah. And I don't mean that in that he's looked bad as a running back. He's just putting up numbers of a backup running back. Like, there's only so much efficiency a human can possibly put up. <laughs> like, there has to be an end point at some point. I just don't. I don't. I don't like the fact that he's not involved in the passing game at all. I think that has a lot to do with it. That's something that we didn't anticipate. Or very limited. Yeah. That is correct. I mean, three catches is the most he's had in a game since week one. Exactly. So it's just like... Actually, I was against Baltimore week one. Four catches. Hmm. Jason. Hmm. Jason changing his mind on air, pulling a Tim. No. Look, Kareem Hunt is always... Always has backhand RB2. I'd much prefer him as a flex play this week. Uh, But if he's been a mainstay in your lineup this season, I wouldn't be opposed to you subbing out someone else. I just feel like right now is the time Kareem Hunt's going to have that like two touchdown big game just because everyone's now doubting him and shit. And he's had so many down games in a row and he was so ridiculously good in the first half of the year. It was just so odd because when Chubb went down, that's when Hunt started becoming more inefficient and it's kind of carried over. But I do agree in this. It's a tougher matchup. It's it's hard to trust Hunt as more than a, a flex play at this point and his ceiling is seemingly limited as well um any one else you want to talk about let's talk about Austin Hooper as you know because we like to end things on a negative note here on the Brodo Fantasy Football Podcast um he's been terrible uh how can you I mean in this game I guess you could you could count on him um Matt Judon I'm not I'm not trusting Austin Hooper I can't do it it's tough. Two targets in three of the last four weeks. Yeah, it's tough. Who got it? Yeah. Um, anyone else you guys want to talk about in this game? No. No, I think that's all, folks. That, that, that's all, folks. That is all. This might be our our longest podcast ever that's not a double podcast. Um, 
Shout out to you guys for listening all the way through. If you are listening all the way through, don't forget we have timestamps if you want to jump around uh, to hear your specific players. Because sometimes I lose interest in fantasy podcasts when they're talking about players that I don't have or care about. Um, so, you know, it's it's understandable. So go check out those timestamps. Um, at Brodo Fantasy on Twitter. Uh, Michael, where can they find you? At Brodo FF Mike. Jay. At Brodo FF Jason. At Brodo FF Tim. See what we did there. Don't forget the live stream on Sunday. Uh, starting at 11.30 or 11.45, depending on uh, what you see on Twitter. Don't forget to put at Fantasy on Twitter. Follow us and put on the um, the alerts so that you have access to our live stream. And with that being said, um, don't forget Patreon.com slash BrotoFantasy and BrotoFantasy.com for all of our articles, including the article that we're coming out with to, uh, tomorrow for the entire Broto staff is giving their uh, sleepers and busts for that, so you do not want to miss that. Um, With that being said, that is all from us. We've talked enough. See you later. Good luck. Good luck. Come back next week, Victors. Later. And I'm not just saying, like, don't change your name to Victor. That would be be too much. Goodness gracious. (laughs) Later.